0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service today. So excited to have each and every one of you taking part, tuning in with us on this wonderful Sunday morning. We're looking forward to what God desires to do in each and every one of our hearts. I know that this week has been interesting, just like most of the last several weeks have been. But boy, I sure am excited about what God wants to do in our heart in the week that is to come. And I trust that you've come now. You're sensitive to what it is that the Lord has wanted to do. You've come, even in your living room, looking for what God has for you today, and I know that you won't be disappointed in that. Let's do this. Uh, We're going to open up in a word of prayer. Brother Pat's going to come, lead a congregational song. Then right after Brother Pat comes, Brother Dean Carmichael is going to make his way forward for our scripture reading this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us today. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to take time out of our day to be a part of the worship of you. God, I know that distractions are going to try to creep up here in this next little bit, Things are going to happen outside, maybe even in the home. Things that will try to steal our attention away from the word that you're trying to bring to our hearts and lives. I understand that a lot of that stuff is unavoidable. There's only so much that is in our control and our power. But we do ask that you would help our focus to be intentional. May we do all that we can to stay tuned in to exactly what it is that you're trying to do in our hearts and lives. We ask that you would receive the worship which we will be offering up. From the song service, the special singing... The preaching of your word and everything else, Lord, may it be done to your honor and for your glory. And may our spirits be edified, and may your name be magnified throughout this service today. For it is in Christ's name that I pray, amen. All right, let's get our service started today.
1: In your hymn book, page 615, 615, I will sing the wondrous story. We'll do the first, second, and last verse, please. 615. Sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me, how he left his home in glory for the cross of Calvary. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ. sheep that went astray through his loving Yes,
2: 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 14. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, And fell one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from my idolatry. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come to worship in your house, Lord, together as a church. I pray, Lord, for the preaching of your word. Touch our pastor, Lord. Touch the, 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 the sermon, Lord, that we would see the, the message that you have prepared directly for us, dear God. That we would have open hearts, open minds. And, Lord, that we would learn from the past mistakes, dear God, and that we would realize the only way to get close to you is to be submissive and obedient. We say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: and cares. I know that Jesus, my Savior, is there, giving me faith through darkest days, keeping me on the narrow way. Jesus, Savior, trees at the touch of stay yeah.
4: Good morning, and I'd like to thank you all for uh, being tuned in today for the Sunday morning service. I want to thank uh, Brother Corey for opening up our service today. Appreciate Brother Pat leading the songs and uh, the Lamar family singing today. I know you've already been encouraged. I trust you have in our morning service. And now I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. And while you find your place there, I just want to take a moment and say how. Grateful I am that this marks four years, I know not the actual date, but it marks four years as far as the Sunday, four years ago that the church voted to uh, receive me as the pastor of this fellowship and it's been a great uh, honor of my life these past four years and I'm excited about what the Lord's doing and what He's going to continue to do and so Uh, More about that, I look forward to when we can just get together again in the days ahead and and talk about those things. But Psalm 106 tonight uh, or this morning, and I thank you so much for listening. If I say tonight, it's because it's it's almost nighttime now when I'm getting this recorded, but Psalm 106. And I want to read just beginning in verse number 7 to get things started. It said, Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Now I'll pick up the reading again in just a moment, but I want to ask you a question. This morning I'm preaching on this thought, beware the idols of your soul. And I would ask you this question, do you know what an idol is? And I realize you can pull a dictionary tonight or this, this morning you can pull a dictionary out, you can look it up and You can study what the definition of an idol is. But I want to summarize it and simplify it a little bit by saying this. An idol is anything or anyone that replaces God in your life. Anything or anyone that replaces God in your life. Now if you want to see the story of idolatry, it's right here in Psalm 106. Verse 7 kind of tells it in a verse now, the whole idea of what happens to the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt and God delivers them across the Red Sea, uh, but then they remember not what God has done for them. But if you want to see this unfold, look at verse number 10. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works, they waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their soul. And So I want to say to you this morning, this thought, beware the idols of your soul. You see how the story of all idolatry Every time it happens, it plays out the same way it does right here in Psalm 106. Watch this. Number one, they were saved. They were redeemed. They were brought out from the enemy, brought out from bondage. And so as a result of that, it tells us that they began to worship. They began to praise God. They were a grateful people. They were excited about what God had done for them. They were free from the bondage that they had been in. And praise the Lord when he saves us. Uh, he makes us free from those things, and then you'll notice, though, what happens is it says that that soon they forget God, and I tell you, when you forget God, what happens is you begin to try to make life apart from God. You see that in, in the verse of Scripture there, verse number uh, fourteen or verse number thirteen. They soon forgot His works. They waited not for his counsel. So they forgot God and they began to make their life happen apart from God or to try to do that. And then the next thing that happens is they turn to other things to satisfy their soul. They turn to other things to satisfy their soul. And the result of that is what verse number 15 tells us, that eventually God gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their soul. I tell you, I was thinking today about this message that I was going to preach and I thought about over there in Mark chapter number 8 where Jesus said, what would it profit if a man would gain the entire world but lose his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And that second part of it really just struck me earlier this morning. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? And I think what Jesus was saying right there is that there comes a point in a time where a man has sacrificed. He has given up his soul to acquire the things of this life, the things of this world. And when he realizes it just a little bit too late that one day he's acquired everything this world has to offer, but he's lost his own soul, what would he give if he could just have his soul back? Oh, friends, I'm glad God loves us so much that He will not allow us to go down that path that far without coming to where we are and speaking to us about the things in our life that He would call idols that would bring leanness to our soul. And I tell you, how often could this be the very story told about our lives with all that God has done for us, with all that He is for us in our life, and yet we forget Him. We forget Him when, quote, things are going well. And that's what they did. They're delivered, they're redeemed, and soon they forgot about God. And like Israel, we begin to do life, to just do life. We begin to make our decisions. We purpose and pursue what we want to do. And God is not in the equation other than we might think, well, yeah, I mean, I know God's real and I believe in God and I know God knows what's going on and all that, but what does God have to do with me buying this, Fill in the blank? Or what, is, you know, what does that have to do with us going on this vacation or going to this place? Or what does that have to do with me taking this job? I know God's real, but what does that matter when it comes to me doing this thing? Beginning to do life without God. Now we all know this passage, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. and all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. But I think we've forgotten how to live it. See, we know the Scripture, we know the verse, but are we living it? It's amazing how when we hear about a brother or a sister and the trouble that they've got into and maybe their marriage is crumbling or they've gotten out of church or they were caught stealing from their employer or a preacher's been arrested in some sort of scandal. And we say, well, how could that even happen? I mean, how is that even possible? Well, have you read the passage lately? Psalm 106. It says again, they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. And what was the result? They began to turn to the other things. They began to lust after things in the wilderness. And God sent leanness to their soul. And I tell you, that preacher didn't mean to replace God in his life. He wanted to be with God. That was his plan all along. But in that scandal... In that temptation that he fell to, what he did was exactly that. He replaced God with something else. Whether it was money, whether it was an affair, whatever it was, he let something else come into his life that was an idol in his life that took the place of God. This is the story of every believer who winds up broken, addicted, like the prodigal son out living in the slums of this world and the pits of this life, far from God. They didn't start out to have a lean soul. None of us do. Nevertheless, it happened to them, and that's where they are. So we're talking about falling into idolatry. And, and, and I'm telling you, you don't just fall into idolatry. I, I kind of use that statement a little tongue-in-cheek, but how does this happen? Well, the, the, the text tells us that it begins with forgetting God. That's what it says. They soon, verse 13, forgot His works. What did verse 7 say? It says they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, forgetting God, remembering not what God had done and who he is. This word forget, it means that they became oblivious to the things that God had done for them. They gave those things no attention and that led to them actually forgetting. You know, there's a lot of things that in life you might learn how to do. I used to play a bass guitar. Literally, I used to, before I ever played an acoustic guitar, knew anything about the chords of an acoustic guitar, I played a bass guitar three times a week in the church. I mean, I was that was just what I played. If you put a bass guitar in my hand right now, friends, I've forgotten how to play it. I'd have to have somebody walk me through the whole thing again. Now, I might pick it up back pretty quick I don't know but I'm just telling you there are things in your life that if you fail to pay attention to them you will forget them and what the Bible tells us here is that when we forget God when we're not paying attention to God when we're not acknowledging God in all of our ways he begins to fade from our thinking and our decision-making process that's why I like this verse, Malachi 3.16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. What a joy it is to think uh, that they, the Bible says that God pays attention to us when we talk about him, when we speak to one another about him. I tell you, that's one of the great things that we'll be able to celebrate when we come back together in the church is the opportunity to share with one another and me to tell you how good God's been in my life and you to tell me how good God's been in your life and us to share the things that we're learning. One of the real concerns that I sense in a time like this that we're in where we're not able to meet in church right now We don't know how long that's going to go on, but right now we're not able to meet here and we're separated. We can't come together for fellowship and we can't come together for that group discipleship dynamic. And At the same time that we're limited on that, we have a society and a world that's full of grief and the stress levels are high and and there's that increased risk that believers will fall into the same trap that the children of Israel fell into back then. They begin to think to themselves, you know, this situation, this walking around in the desert is getting kind of old. What's amazing, I interrupt myself to say, what's amazing is it hadn't been that long since God had delivered them. You know, we think about them wandering for 40 years, but it wasn't 40 years later that they started lusting and bringing idols into their life. We're talking about weeks. In this situation, they're thinking is getting kind of old, and the Bible tells us they begin to think back and remember all the leeks and the onions and the garlics and the fish and all the watermelons they had in Egypt. And they said, you know... I sure would like to have some more of that watermelon and some of that good fish. and You know, come to think of it, life in Egypt wasn't that bad. And in the middle of the, the circumstances, in the middle of the times, they begin to think back. They forget God. They begin to think about what they used to have, and they begin to be drawn back towards it. You know what happens, friends? If you're not careful, you'll be sitting at home a little bit extra time now, maybe. Or maybe you're just stressed about things, job-related, and family-related things going on, and, during this season, you begin to think about some of the stuff you used to do that was fun. Some of the stuff you used to do that made you feel better. And you start thinking, you know, that stuff wasn't that bad. And, and I always enjoyed filling the blank. And before you know it, you listen to me, before you know it, you'll find yourself doing things again that you thought you'd never do again because you forget God and you begin to turn your attention toward the things of this world, other things. It didn't happen overnight to them. It won't happen overnight to us, but it'll happen step by step going down a pathway of idolatry. Beware of the idols of your soul, friends, because here's what happens. Forgetting led to lusting. When they forgot God, that led to verse 14, but they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. You know the scary part today? Is you, I, all of us, we can so easily, inside the secrecy of our own four walls, we can fulfill a whole lot of uh, worldly carnal lust without ever leaving our home. I'm just going to call it out now, make a note. But hey, Netflix, Amazon, uh, cell phone service, whatever. All these things have worked together to make it possible Possible for what? Possible for us to bring in and set up idols in our home. Hey, now listen, you and I both know there's people in our church that they have turned back to watching stuff on TV through Netflix, Amazon, whatever, that 20 years ago they turned away from when they fastened their eyes on God to walk with Him, but now they found themselves being attracted to that stuff again. Some of you, you gave up some bad habits in your life. Let's just call it what it is. You gave up some sin in your life when God saved you, brought you out of of Egypt. And boy, here lately you've been thinking about it again, maybe tasting of it again. I'm going to tell you those idols will find a way to creep back in. When we forget God, we start turning to lusting. Now, what, what idols am I talking about? I said at the beginning, an idol is anything or anyone that replaces God in your life. Church, every one of us, listen to me, every one of us have a soul. In fact, the better way to say it, every one of us is a soul. And your soul is the essence of who you are. Your soul is the inner life that animates your body. It's from your soul that your thoughts and your feelings of your heart emanate out and you communicate with others. Your soul, now listen, this is important. I'm talking about why we, when we forget God, why do we turn to lusting after these wicked things? Here's the answer. Your soul was designed by God to crave certain things. Now let me tell you, God provided and provides everything you need to satisfy your soul in the right way. Let me say it this way. God is Everything you need to satisfy your soul in the right way. But make no mistake about it, your soul craves certain things. What are those things? Things like joy. Things like beauty. Things like peace. Things like pleasure. And your soul is constantly searching for those things. It is craving, thirsting, longing to be filled with all of that. I was... uh, I was introduced to a quote earlier in this week that, man, I said, that is exactly, I need these, to share that in the message for Sunday. It's by a preacher by the name of Maurice Roberts. He's an English minister, uh, as they say in Mayberry, not from around these parts. But he said this, ecstasy and delight are essential to the believer's soul, and they promote sanctification. I, I wish you could look at the words. I want to say that again. Ecstasy and delight are essential to the believer's soul. And they promote sanctification. Let me interrupt that quote to say this, or ask this. When you hear ecstasy, when you hear delight, what does that bring to your heart? I know there's bad things. I know there's worldly things, but I'm saying in your heart, what delights you? What gives you that deep pleasure that the word ecstasy means? What is it that you turn to for that deep pleasure? What is it that you turn to for delight, for comfort, for relief in your soul? Because your soul was made for that. And if we are pursuing the right things, it promotes sanctification. If we're pursuing the wrong things, it promotes carnality and death. I'm, I'm reading the quote now. We were not meant to live without spiritual exhilaration. And the Christian who goes for a long time without the experience of heartwarming will soon find himself tempted to have his emotions satisfied from earthly things and not, as he ought, from the Spirit of God. The believer is in spiritual danger if he allows himself to go for any length of time without tasting the love of Christ and savoring the felt comforts of a Savior's presence. When Christ ceases to fill the heart with satisfaction, our souls will go in silent search of other lovers. you hear that tonight, this morning? I'm going to say that 15 times before this is over. But your soul, if it is not finding the delight in the love of Christ, it will go on a silent search to find it through other lovers. Friend, God made your soul. Your soul is who you are, it's your life, God gave it to you, it belongs to Him. And I tell you, when we chase idols in our life, it's like the old saying, it's like stepping out on God, That's what we're stepping out on God. We are adulterers uh, in, a, in a soulful, spiritual way, it is adultery against God to be friends with the world. The Bible said, James, he called us adulterers and adulteresses because we become friends with the world. What do you think idolatry is? It's worldliness because it's godlessness. It is an attempt to find something or someone to satisfy me and to make my life worth living, something or someone other than God. It's to try to make life happen without God. That is the definitive explanation of worldliness. Idolatry is worldliness. And it's like being an adulterer against God. Now the question is this. What well is your soul drawing from, Christian? I want to be clear, and I want this to be simple. Your soul is drawing either from God or from some idols in your life. It's just that simple. You may be thinking, well, (laughs) idols... Idolatry I mean preacher isn't that something for those heathen nations where they carve statues and burn incense and certainly I tell you that I agree that is a form of idolatry but that's not the definition of idolatry in Acts chapter 17 and verse 16 the Bible says of the Apostle Paul now while Paul waited for them at Athens the rest of his missionary team his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry now Did they have statues in Athens? Absolutely they did. But you know they had a whole lot more than just some statues. Paul saw a city wholly given to idolatry. And he wasn't just talking about their statues and their monuments. He wasn't just talking about their devotions. He was talking about those things, but he saw the entire city given to idolatry. Do you know the word idolatry means image worship? That can be literal or figurative. Let me give you some examples of what image worship looked like in Athens and I believe what it looks like today. You see in ancient Athens in its golden age it was known for its education, its universities. It was known for the being the home of great philosophy. It was known as the home of great medicine. It was known for its art, for its theater, for its literature, for its politics. And this is what the people of Athens were pursuing after. These are the things that they were following after. This was the image they were worshiping. They were worshiping things like high education. They were worshiping things like philosophy. They were worshiping things like the experts of medicine. They were worshiping art and theater and literature and politics. And Paul looked at a city and said, The whole city is given to idolatry. They weren't all bowing down to the statues, but they were bowing to something, even if it was in their heart. They saw an image that they wanted to be like that they thought would make their life better. Oh, if I can taste this, oh, if I can have that, oh, if I can get this degree, oh, if I can get that job position, oh, if I can go down to the theater and see that show, I'll feel better about myself. They were trying to hide in all of those things. Now, do you think that that Athens was some classic cannibal society with people wearing grass skirts and bones in their noses? Absolutely not. Athens sounds a whole lot more like the United States today. And I believe you look across our land, and we are a nation wholly given to idolatry. I want to bring it a little closer. I believe, friends, and I'm not just preaching. I'm not saying this. I'm telling you what I believe in my heart, studying the Bible, praying, trying to walk with God, trying to learn, observing, and listening, and watching what I see. I believe that the churches of America have been wholly given to idolatry. And you know where that starts? That starts in my heart, my home, your heart, your home. If we let idols into our own heart, if we let idols into our own home, you know what's going to happen in our church? Our church is going to be given to idolatry too. We've got to guard against that. We've got to beware the idols of our soul. And if idolatry were not an issue for the New Testament believer, well, there sure was a lot of New Testament ink and paper wasted to write on the subject. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, Flee from idolatry. Colossians 3, 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. What's idolatry? All those things can be idolatry. Fornication is idolatry. Uncleanness is idolatry. Inordinate, improper affections is idolatry. It's to take something or someone and put it in the place of God in my life. 1 John chapter 5. I want to look at this passage. I just want to read a couple of verses. 1 John chapter 5. and You know the book of 1 John. It's a great letter by the the apostle, the beloved apostle, and he writes about love. I mean, the whole theme of John's letter in 1 John chapter 5, it's about victory. It's about overcoming. It's about the life of God. It's about the love of God. Watch how he ends his letter in 1 John chapter 5 And I'm just going to read from verse 20 and verse 21, the last two verses. He says, and we know that the Son of God has come, hallelujah, and hath given us understanding that we may know Him, that is true, that we may know Him, the Son of God, and that we are in Him, that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And then look how he finishes. Little children, keep Yourselves from idols. In the closing of that letter, all that discussion about the love of God, about eternal life in in Christ, and then he contrasted it all with verse 21. And I believe it's it's as if to say, idols are the opposite of love. Idols are the opposite of real life. They are the false We invite these things into our life. We invite these things into our heart. These things that masquerade themselves as joy. They masquerade themselves as peace. They masquerade themselves as comforting. Really, they're not doing what they're making us feel like they're doing. They're false. But I know why our heart looks for that. I know why our soul searches for that. Because the atmosphere of the world is draining on our soul. We look for some way out. We look for an escape plan. Man, work can be tough. You spend a day or a whole week at work, and man, people just beating on you, driving you down. You got family problems. You got car problems. You got uh, too many bills coming in, amen, problems, and all kind of problems, and the atmosphere of the world can just be draining, and so we look for an escape plan. You don't think it? There's some Christians that are turning to some things that you wouldn't think they're turning to right now. They're opening up a screen and they're looking at things they shouldn't be looking at. They're opening up a bottle and they're drinking things they shouldn't be drinking. They're smoking things they shouldn't be smoking. I mean, the list goes on. And I'm not up here to preach about a list of things. I'm telling you the problem is they've got idols in their life. They're looking to something. I don't care if you're drinking Coca-Cola. It's the motive of your heart. If you're drinking Coca-Cola... To give you some sort of false peace or give you some sort of false comfort instead of turning to God. That can be an idol in your life. You say, preacher, now you're getting ridiculous. Am I? I'm going to show you I'm not. I'm going to show you the Bible says I'm not. The atmosphere of the world's draining on the soul. The thing about it is we can't escape the world through the world's own lust and desperation and expect to find real help. I mean, we can't do that. What we need truly is we need the restoring, healing gifts of God. God is the source of joy. God is the source of beauty. God is the source of peace. God is the source of comfort. He's the one we should be turning to. We settle for such small and insignificant things to try to satisfy the capacity of our soul just to try to ease that ache down inside of us, whatever may be causing it. But I remember what uh, A.D., I remember what A.W. Tozier said. He said, you and, I are, you and I are little what God is in large. He said, being made in His image, we have within us the capacity to know Him. Boy, I like that phrase. We have within us, that is in our soul, the capacity to know God. And that takes me back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What are we pouring and allowing to come into our vessel? Are we being filled with God? Are we being filled with the things of the world? Being filled with idols? It's easy to name the easy ones, isn't it? Alcohol, pornography, drugs. It's not to say that those can't be problems right here in the church members' lives. I've already said that. But you know, they're going to produce the same results, lean souls. You can't turn to alcohol to give you a flourishing soul with God. Alcohol does not bring forth the praise of God. Drugs do not bring forth the worship of God. You know, uh, They can only, all these things, all these idols, they can only bring your soul more leanness when you're turning to those things to try to feel the capacity of your soul. There's some less talked about, kind of more socially acceptable idols that we find in our churches a lot of times. We need to call those out. I would say this, how do you know an idol in your life when it's there? Well, A good question to ask, can you walk away from it and be okay? Can you walk away from it and be okay? I thought about, I mentioned this to Brother Corey, I thought about bringing in some samples of idols that we might have in our homes. By the way, I want to say this. Not everything I would set up here is necessarily an idol to you. I could set a TV remote control right here. That might not be an idol in your life, but it's an idol in somebody's life. I could set up here a pound cake. That may not be an idol in your life, but it's an idol in somebody's life. You say, preacher, that's foolishness. Nobody's bowing down to a a pound cake. Hold on. But here's the thing I thought about. I told Brother Corey, I said, you know, there's one thing I could bring that would cover a whole lot of other idols all wrapped in one. What if, and bar this, what if I took your cell phone and set it right here? Let me ask you how easy it would be for you to lay that cell phone down for just one day Walk away from it, not look at it, not touch it. One day, two days, could you do it? You see, when when you start asking the question, can I walk away from it, could I do that? That starts opening up your eyes to some things that might be idols in your life. Well, I want to give you some examples from right here in Psalm 106. It's right here in the text. Idols that I believe not only they had in their life, but are still prevalent today. Notice this, first of all, the idol of pleasure. In verse number 14, it says they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. You know what they wanted? That's talking about back in Numbers chapter 11 when they wanted God to give them meat. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? They got more concerned about eating flesh than they were about what God was trying to do in their life. So, hey, don't tell me that that food cannot be an idol in a believer's life. It sure can be. I ask you again this question. Where do you turn for relief? Where do you turn for comfort when you're stressed? And how many people do you think are listening to the sound of my voice right now who when they're overcome, they're stressed out, they're overworked, what they want to do is come home and grab something cold to drink and a bag of potato chips, sit on the couch. They turn to that for relief. And what a, what a frail and and unfulfilling idol that becomes in their life when there is a God in heaven who says that we're to bring our burdens and our cares to Him. God says if you carve out a little space in your life just to have a moment of prayer with me, I can relieve that burden in your life, but instead you want a bag of potato chips. I don't have time to tell the story but I literally listened to a preacher tell a story this week about how he did that very thing. At a ministry conference, they went to a hotel room, him and the other minister, and they prayed. They were seeking God. The other man said, let's pray. Let's ask God's blessing on what was given tonight and on tomorrow's meeting. They prayed. They prayed. When they got done praying, and he left the room, he got to his room, got in the door, and the first thought he had was not, boy, it sure is good, Lord, to be in your presence. Not, Lord, I ought to pray some more. Not, Lord, I'm going to lay down in peace and sleep well tonight. He said, the first thing I thought of when I walked through my door was I remembered seeing Chocolate chip cookies in the vending machine down the hall Long story short He said I knew God didn't want me to eat them cookies He even went down the hall Put money in the machine And the cookie You know how the arm turns But the cookies didn't fall out He said I knew God was saying You stop turning to those cookies You're supposed to be with me And he said you know what I did I went back down the hall to my room And I got more quarters And I went and put the money in the machine And two bags of cookies fell And he said, the Lord smote my heart. I was grieved in my heart because I knew I had that quickly come out of a season of ministry, a season of prayer, and that quickly I went to lusting after chocolate chip cookies and forgot about God. Now friends, if you're in any way in touch with your soul right now listening to me, you know that feeling. You know what I'm talking about. Others are listening and saying, ah, it's just silly. Let me tell you something, friend. I worry about those who don't see the reality of the story I just told. The idol of pleasure, not just food and drink. Over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talks about this same thing. He talks about how that they went to lusting after evil things. And Paul says that we're not to be idolaters, idolaters as some of them were. says the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Idols, the idols of pleasure, games, sports, our entertainment. The list goes on and on and on. Now listen, I want to make this clear. I'm not talking about honest appreciation for good things in your life. I mean, hey, if Pat Simpson is listening, I know Pat Simpson loves some Chick-fil-A. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, said food is essential to life, therefore make it good. That's why Brother Pat likes Chick-fil-A so much. And I agree with Truett Cathy. Hey, make food good. you got to eat. We're not saying that food itself is an idol. We're not saying that uh, entertainment itself is an idol. We're saying that those things can become idols in our life when we forget God and we turn to those things to bring relief and peace and comfort in our life. Those things aren't the source of joy. Those things aren't the... Listen, we spent some time in the woods this week on on a backpacking trip, just a one-day, overnighter. Man, walking through those woods, I'm thinking about preaching this. And I even was praying. I, I said, Lord, I, you know, is, how do I understand this? I'm out here in the woods. And, but it just hit me. It said, but aren't these woods? Isn't that creek? Aren't those birds bringing you back to reflect on me? You see, that's the difference. That's the difference right there. You see, if it's a good thing, it'll draw your heart to God with gratitude. What you eat, what you drink, what you What you enjoy. But see, if it's an idol, it'll just leave you with regret. That's a good way to gauge it. Let me give you the other one. i got to hurry. There's the idol of status. Verse 16 says, They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. I just summarized by saying this. Work can become an idol in our life. Position can become an idol in our life. You see, the people were saying, Who's Moses and Aaron? I mean, who do they think they are to lead us? We could do just as good as they can do. It was the envy of power. It was the envy of rank. It was the envy of status. Let me use some terms in line with some of our talking today. When it comes to this being an idol in your life, it's the idol of celebrity. It's the kind of mentality, the attitude that says, you know, people ought to know my name too. People ought to hear from me too. I know I hit it a lot. And I know not all of you are guilty of this, but there are a lot of people using social media to try to create their own pseudo-celebrity status because, after all, everybody needs to know who I am, everybody needs to know what I'm doing, everybody needs to know what I think. And I want to say this, if you do things to help people, encourage people, try to strengthen people, and they can voluntarily listen and participate, wonderful But if you're turning to something like a social media platform to give you a sense of affirmation, to give you a sense of identity, that thing's become an idol in your life. Friends, God is the one that wants to speak affirmation into your heart. God is the one that wants to give you the identity of who you really are. It must start with Him, not with these other things. Status is what drives consumerism in our culture. We live in a culture of consumerism Everybody's got to have the next big thing. i gotta drive the big, I got to drive the coolest truck, have the biggest house. And debt in America continues to climb because of this consumerism mentality, this idol of status. There's one more that I noticed here. The idol of religion. The idol of religion. Look at verse 19. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. They made a calf in Horeb. And worship the molten image. You know, religion became nothing more than an idol to them. I want to say tonight, and listen to me because or this morning, you know what I'm talking about. I, but I want to say this, and I know it may sound confusing when I first say it, but listen to, hear me out. Do you realize that church can become an idol in your life? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But you see, if church has become your source. If church is where you turn for affirmation, if church is where you have to come to get something from God or to feel like, let me say this, to feel like you're close to God, I would imagine that somebody like that during this coronavirus season who's not been able to come to church, man, I, they might be bent plumb out of the frame. Now, I understand the Look, I understand the difference. Man, I... I'm telling you, we look forward to being able to come back to church. We need to come together as the people of God. And we miss that. We miss the fellowship. Our soul longs for the joy of the fellowship. Our soul longs for the pleasure of worship corporately. Nothing wrong with that. But if church has become, even before all this, your only source, the only way you feel connected at all to God Church may well have become an idol in your life. You know, ministry can become an idol for ministers. I think the Pharisees kind of typify that a lot. And I'll be honest with you. As a preacher, I've had to battle that thing in my life. That the work of the ministry doesn't become the replacement for God. And I've confessed this before. I lived a little bit of that. My army chaplaincy days, the demands, the schedules, the, just the, the calendar and everything and it become that the work and accomplishment and achieving and getting this done and getting those dots connected and getting those missions accomplished became first. God wasn't getting the full attention of my heart. And I'm just telling you the truth. It can become an idol. Serving can become an idol. Serving in the church can become an idol. Just ask Martha. Well, she found out, didn't she? Well, she needed to learn what Mary had learned. Jesus is the one we worship not our service, not the church, not our position, not our religion. The list can go on and on, folks. Some people make their family an idol. Some people make their marriage an idol. You talk to you know, couples that are going through hard times sometimes and you'll find that one of them has made an idol out of the other. Or, and the other one's probably made an idol out of something else. You find out that Some people can make an idol out of things like even order and perfection in their life. We call it clever clinical names like OCD or whatever. But the truth of the matter is is that we become so fixated on my life is a mess, my life is a ruin if I don't have everything in order and in its place and everybody in their order and in their place. And if it's not that way, I go crazy. Why is that? Because we're not finding our center in Christ. We're not coming to Jesus with our soul and getting filled with His order, His beauty, His poetry. We've got to be careful of idols, church. These things will creep in. See, I doubt very seriously that there's anybody listening right now who in your closet at home, you've got a little statue of some being that you pull out and you light incense to and you bow and pray to. That's not what we're doing. Tell me what is the great difference between that coming home at the end of a stressful day, making no time for God, creating no sacred space for God but just plopping down on the, te- on the couch in front of the television and zoning out because it's a way to escape. It's a way to feel relief. And it's not just TV. It's the cell phone. It could be books. It could be anything. Not all of it's bad in and of itself. It's what we've allowed it to become it's become a replacement for god if i could start over and preach the message again i would say anything that becomes a replacement for god in our life is an idol little children keep yourselves from idols i've been sharing on sunday night a what i've called a sunday evening meditation It's kind of turned into a follow on to the morning message. And I'm going to do that again for this Sunday evening. And I want to address in that follow on meditation some things about how we overcome these idols in our life. But right now, right now, I want to ask you to bow in prayer with me. Because this is where it begins Lord, we can't do this on our own. We got to have you. God, you alone are the one that can break the power of any idols in our life. And Lord, I've read the Scriptures, and I'm going to share some of those things this evening. But God, in the Bible, you just are constantly coming back for your people. You never leave us. You never left Israel in their idolatry. You always went after them, God. You always called them back to yourself. It is your great love. God, I thank you for your mercy. It's mentioned in that psalm several times. It's the mercy of God. Thank you for being merciful to us, Lord. Lord, sometimes we're so foolish. We just let things into our life and we start enjoying them and then we start enjoying them too much and before long they start replacing our time with you. They replace in our heart and our soul what you used to have. We used to come to you for peace. We used to come to you for joy. We used to come for you for counsel. We used to come to you for affirmation, for our identity. And now we're looking to all these things to try to give us that. And our souls are becoming leaner and leaner and leaner. Oh, God, forgive us. And God, bring restoration. Church, as you pray, what's the idols that God has brought up in your heart today? Preacher can't name them all, but the Holy Spirit can name yours. The Holy Spirit has identified something in your life. Will you begin right now by confessing this? by seeking repentance, asking God to deliver you from the idols. Lord, I pray for all of our people in in the power and the authority of Jesus' name. Give us victory over the idols of our soul. Amen.
1: All right, for our closing hymn this morning, let's turn to page 676 in your hymn book, The Lily of the Valley. We'll sing all three verses. The Lily of the Valley. Jesus, He's everything to me. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. The lily of the valley, in Him alone I see all I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow He's my comfort. In trouble He's my stay. He tells me every care on Him to roll. He's the lily. The fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He all my grief has taken and all my sorrows more. In temptation he's my strong and mighty tongue. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn. From my heart and now he keeps me by his fire. Reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do His blessed will. Of all the power about me, I've nothing now. here with this manner he my hungry soul shall be then sweeping up to glory I'll see his blessed place where rivers of delight shall ever roll he's the lily of the valley the bright and morning star he's the fairest of